Hi, Shannon Waller here and welcome to Team Success. I am really pumped today because I get to hang out with one of my buddies, Dan Rogers. First of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And you have just a really phenomenal way of talking about an insight into your best role in the company. I should actually say companies. So I cannot wait to explore that and for people to really hear your perspective on you and how you can make the best contribution and how you don't with your organizations. Because I've been really inspired talking to you in our breakout rooms and such in our 10X workshops. So I'm just very excited that you're here today. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. So before we jump in, why don't you give us a little bit of your entrepreneurial history, how you got started, the companies you've been running, which were obviously very much impacted by the pandemic. So take us a little bit on a little bit of a tour of who Dan is and how you got here. Sure. So business was demystified for me in my sort of mid-20s when trying to finish up university, joined a small fast food chain three owners, three locations, and went through a two and a half year dropping out of college to roll burritos and 60 restaurants, central commissary, standardized operations, restaurant experience, onboarded franchise groups opened up in different cities and states. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Like it was like MBA, the whole thing all rolled up into one. I uh, used to say I would do the job for free. Now I said I would borrow money to do that job. And I'm still pulling like real fresh insights from that time, even though I was done by 1997. So fortunately, they never gave me equity. And so prior to that, I was a furniture mover and a nighttime university student. And so the moving company asked me to get in sales. So I got into sales. That was in the Mayflower van line system down in the States. And reasonably short order, I was the top three booker in the United States. Five years later, I bought the agency that I was working for, rebranded that point to point, started a trucking company. Point to Point was a sort of a non-asset based specialized shipping company, mostly global. Started an asset based trucking company in Seattle, Washington. That's where home is. And by 2007, had a eight digit conglomerate of profitability and pure misery. (laughs) (laughs) Profit and pure misery. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, I was on the continuum, but I hate my job. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know it. And so I wasn't opposed to coaching. I just never been exposed to it. And so we met some coaching at one of the coaching organizations, the scaling up folks. They were Rockefeller habits at the time. Yeah. Figured out we didn't have a vision that presents a problem without a vision. I didn't know it. I had lived it, but I didn't realize that was the problem. And so we did the work of cleaning up and getting a vision. I'm pretty much, if we see it, then we got to do it. And so The problem with the vision was about 70% of that eight-digit business didn't fit into the new vision. So we actually fired our clients politely, but moved them on. Yeah. And then if you're keeping score, that set us up just perfectly to go into a recession. (laughs) So we were way ahead. Like we had right size before the rest of the world, which actually set us up really great almost for everything except for the whole revenue drop. So then we lost another 70%. I'm a math guy. So that's 91% if you're keeping up, which is a lot. Yeah, that's more than you want. So we achieved all our goals and exceeded them. We had planned on losing money, lost a lot. But with that new vision and that clarity of focus, which was really to be, initially it was sort of to be like a world-class event, corporate event shipping company. That was sort of the first vision. And from there, we ended up growing that back to about two and a half times what it was before we took it apart going into covid there was other things that happened after the vision. We graduated from the scaling up 
Rockefeller community to EOS and all that, but a huge part of it just really started with, you're not a special snowflake. Your business is not a special snowflake. There's is actually a book to run a business. There's a one page plan. There's yeah, none of the, all this stuff has been done before. So that was, that was what got us into COVID. So Pre-COVID was about 10,000 events on five continents in 2019. 2020 was, I don't know, a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the 91% looks like not so much because we lost probably closer to 96, 97% into COVID, like hard stop. And for business owners out there, if you've never looked at your business with zero revenue and no ability to create revenue, I would encourage you to do it. If your teeth don't fall out, it will be very informative. It was, uh, it was different. I had been doing rolling forecasts quite accurately for, you know, the better part of 20 years. And I looked at it, I was just like, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. It was a very weird place to be. So by the grace of the universe and all that, the event industry was going through its own turmoil, trying to go virtual and hybrid and zoom and all that. I was really quite humbled at the time. I didn't much like it. It was very humbling, but I'm very grateful that it happened that way. They didn't see us or me as someone that could help them in that process. So I turned to the other network, which was business owners and started doing some free consulting and most people got what they paid for. And the basic setup was, hey, your problems are incredibly complex and will change before we're even done describing them. My problems are completely horrific, but simple and you know, I'm just waiting. So if I could help you out, that'd be a lot of fun. And so we did that. That led to some things. I think some people were helped. I certainly learned a tremendous amount. And then coming into the end of 2021, two different folks just said the way that you talk about sales and marketing or the fact that you don't talk about sales and marketing is incredibly interesting and you should start charging people for what you're doing. And then one guy finally just said, hey, you have to charge me and you have to come talk to our people. And so we had a COVID baby and that company's called Sales Sidekick. And we just onboarded the CEO for that company, essentially middle of January of 22. Yeah. Wow. So. You really do have kind of like the School of Hard Knocks MBA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, probably more like a PhD at this point yeah, because maybe. it's amazing. All the way from, you know, moving and doing what you did with that company and rolling burritos all the way up to this. That's pretty spectacular. So I have to know, what's your vision for Sales Sidekick? I'm curious. So they're figuring that out. I'm off that org chart as best I can be. If we get into the fine details, I'm not technically off the accountability chart, but the plan is to get me off as fast as possible. So my personal vision that all of these things should roll towards is to redeem work. Oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. So literally what happened prior to the free consulting or during the free consulting phase, I went to the whiteboard, work on gray boards now, but whiteboards then. And ask the boss, what do you want me to do? You clearly got my attention, man. Like I was, I was going to do this closer to 2024, but I guess today's the day and not right away and not the clouds didn't open up. But eventually what happened is that I just got this overwhelming sense that I was supposed to do my part to redeem work, the word, the place and, and the effort, the physics of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's everything that I do now is aimed in that direction. And I think point to point is really sort of the place where we can sort of in strategic coach words or whatever, really make it recur and really make it go. And then sales sidekick will be the make it real in the lab. And then we're working on something now on the make it up part of how we can redeem work. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Now I just, because I actually think this is a really cool part of talking to you. Mm -hmm. Can you describe who the boss is to you? Yeah. So what I learned way before this, but through that same journey I described 
going back to 1994, what I learned for myself was that I believe that the universe is a pull system. It is a system and it is far better for me, for me to show up, to align up to the boss. And I'm fortunate that I get to mentor men. And so when I was traveling a lot, you don't want to be walking through the airport, dropping God bombs and all this other stuff. I mean, I call it the boss because it's, to me, it's the right relationship for me personally, but it's he, she, it, it's way bigger than I could do, but it's sort of the thing that holds the universe together, right? It's like, where does gravity come from? I don't know, above my pay grade, but boss got it figured out. So yeah. yeah. I was reading the book, which is a really interesting one. The title is just not an intuitive title for me, but it really talks about the divine as the creator, mm-hmm. right? So it's the boss, it's the one where it's got the master plan or at least the divine yep. intuitive sense of how things actually work. So yep. I love that. And it's cool how you talk about it because for me, it's tapping into something bigger than yourself yep. and listening to that, yep. which most of us don't do. So anyway, I just appreciate you sharing that personal yep. insight. From Two things maybe to tie it together, right? So the first thing is that there's no question for me personally, like I do better aligning with the GN up than trying to get people to line up behind me. Like I'm yeah. When I line up, like everybody follows. If I'm like, let's cross the street because, you know, there's gunshots on the side of the road. No one moves. Right. right. Like there's no question about that. And then in terms of how redeem work fits into that, I'm going to get a little out there, but hopefully this will track. Right. So the reason why I think the word needs to be redeemed and in this community, it's a little different, but you know, obviously the world is a much bigger place than the street coach community. But for me to align up is effort. Like it's wonderful when it happens, but I have to get above or whatever. I've got a table of my ego and all of that other nonsense. And that is work for me. That is a real effort. And so that to me is the single most honorable thing that I can do is despite the fact I'm practically a machine, right? Like I breathe, I do all this stuff without even thinking about it. If I can separate myself from that and actually make an intentional decision to try to line up like that's work. And I think it's the most honorable thing I can do. And that's why the word needs to be redeemed is I actually think it puts you in the shoes of creator of God, of the boss, because in that moment you are actually creating. Right. So I think, yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. I love it. And I think a lot of just from the redeeming work side from how I would take a stance Mm -hmm. on it is work for most people is just not fun. It's draining. It's not fuel. It doesn't tap into what they are meant to do, unique ability in our language. So you and I are actually on the same path. And I love that whole distinction, a lineup versus lineup. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I belong in some lineups. That's a different story, but it's a different podcast, but getting people to line up is not really my job. Yeah. 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 Well, and aligning is, you know, Ironically, it's one of the, or maybe not, it's one of the things to align with, you know, that's one of the entrepreneurial attitudes. It's one of the 12 mindsets Mm -hmm. is if you're not aligned with the purpose of the company, if with your own purpose, with your own values, why are you there? If you can't align with both the macro and the micro versions of what you're up to, you kind of are not tapping into, you know, the whole source of energy that I think most people can. So I love that. So you talked about one of the other things I find that popped out of our our many conversations, Dan, is your role. And you already said, well, you're not on the org chart, which I love most. I know some people are listening like, "Um, how can I do that too, please? Don't get on it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's it. It's that simple. It's not not complicated. Yeah. No. And we've talked about you before, you and I, Mm -hmm. about you being the Mm -hmm. visionary. 
but you're like five steps away. And one of the things that really, why I wanted to have you on the Team Success Podcast was mm -hmm. because you're really, really clear on how you can create value for the organization and mm -hmm. how you can't. Yeah. Or I'm not sure if the right words can't, won't, fill in. Oh, it's right can't. Here. There's people that will testify it's can't, for sure. <laughs> there you go. There's blood in the street that it's can't. You know, it's can't is the right word. Yeah, okay. I'm not a big fan okay. of can't except when it applies. It's, okay, it's, it's there real. you go. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And you got really, really clear on that. And again, Mm -hmm. You're someone who, <laughs> you have an amazing brain and amazing perspective, but your clarity on where you're useful and where you're not, for me, is stellar. Mm -hmm. And you know where that line is. So can you mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Because I think, first of all, I find it very insightful and fascinating, and I think other people will too. So talk about how you've come to realize what your what your best role is, what the highest and best use of you is, Dan, in organization. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start a little abstract, but I promise we'll get to the point. So in 1994, when I took the burrito rolling job, I had a mentor and he was trying to teach me these principles and and uh, big one was line up. And, uh, and I said, gosh, these guys are going to pay me six bucks an hour, but they're going to pay me to practice these principles. And he said to me, he said, if you can keep that mindset, you'll never work another day. Now, I've worked more than I want to cop to, but I've been paid for way more than I've worked. And so I just have looked at work as paid practice. Like I, I just have. And so, you know, I, I could spend all of my money in an afternoon, but in terms of the life that we've constructed, it's much smaller than what the resources are that are available. And so I've known for a long time that money doesn't fix me in any way, shape or form. And and so I really want to grow in my effectiveness and understanding. And I think work is a great place to do that. And so and I'm an all-in type of player. I'm super passionate and all this other stuff. And so I made a bunch of mistakes at full speed. And it wasn't like I wasn't helpful or I didn't have some decent results. It just came with a lot of broken glass and a lot of learning on my side. And, you know, I will sort of grant myself the learning grace because I think once we sort of identified really what it was, we either stopped it or got me out of it or whatever. But like, I mean, I... You know, I mean, I learned on the job with all this stuff. And so getting back to sort of, you know, unique ability and all that, I was sort of misdiagnosed by myself that I was a sales guy because I was semi pushy and I could put the picture together. And what I found out was, is that I was really a fairly abstract systems guy. And when you look at my career, what's bizarre about it is I've actually had the same job. It's just a different iteration of more abstract about every three years, I just make it even more abstract than it was before. You know, I started off moving, you know, literally being the energy behind matter going through time and space. And now we're just trying to do that with multiple companies. And so it's the same, it's the same thing. It's just wildly different. So based on that, because I used to be able to move furniture, I can't anymore and my body will break down. But because I had a willingness and I was decent at some of the lower stuff, I fancied that's what I was. And not because I was Mr. Humble, but I wanted to help out and I wanted to be good at it. But really, the brain that I've been given, I'm way better off talking to people that are very, very early in the innovation schedule, like way, way, way early. Mm -hmm. And I have a very hard time if I'm not, I have to be like perfectly aligned to talk to people that are later in the innovation schedule, because I don't even like to talk about it. <laughs> right. And so that was difficult as the CEO of a growing company, employing people who are as they should be, they're saying they're in reality and I'm in next week and next month, right? So 
I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and I had a lot of patient people around me and not so a couple impatient people, but they, they were more patient than they should have been. And finally through COVID and everything else, I was just like, look, I've had a couple people tell me, Hey man, you're a visionary visionaries. And, and I got some really nice compliments from some people that I believed. And then really through the unique ability work, I was like, wow, I belong in a corner room with no windows and whiteboards doing weird abstract stuff. And a couple very brave souls can come in and attempt to translate to regular humans what we're doing inside the room. And that's a far better place for me to be. It just is. I mean, I, I would love to be the crazy passionate CEO that can like lead a team and do all that other stuff. And at the right moment, I can accidentally fall in there. But if I'm really going to be at my best and going it's we're talking about something that's super uncertain and really ambiguous and has a lot of ambiguity in it. And we're completely comfortable that we've got four really bad ideas and none of them are going to make money. And that's okay. Cause we're going to just go learn something like you don't want to lead a company like that. That's mm-hmm. this is a gong show. I mean, it's just a gong show. So I've given myself the permission to not be on the org chart and I don't know how many visionaries i'll be fortunate enough to be a visionary too but there's a couple <laughs> one for point to point and one for sales sidekick so that's what i'm doing and we're going to try to try to be helpful that way i love it there's a couple things i want to tease out from what you said <laughs> that are yeah. just really fun one is that i mean you are visionary is visionary and as you were saying before with your team there's in different companies actually you know there's the make it up which is the visionary phase then there's the make it real we call project manager, innovation yeah. manager, if we're mm-hmm. looking at job titles, sometimes they're actual companies. And then we've got the make it recur, which is when things get systematized, profitable, mm-hmm. big fan of that. And that's when you really got have a lot of focus managers. But you are like, you know, as you said, next week, next month, next year, yeah. that's your playground. And I think getting really, really clear on that and then who else belongs in that playground with you is just very astute. And you're so right. You can fall into it for a moment, into some of those other roles, but you've had the honesty, the self-awareness to go, yeah, that's ultimately not me. To me, it's just very interesting that you've you've kind of like tried all the things, as I like to say, you kissed a lot of frogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and figured out, no, this one is my princess. You know, that's the one where, where you belong. It literally, I mean, it's in the rearview mirror now, but I mean, P2P point to point was on the Inc. 5,000 seven years in a row. And we didn't have sales and marketing at all. Like you can't find it. It wasn't there because we built this thing to do that without sales and marketing. If I had gotten out of the company faster, <laughs> I actually think it would have been way further along. The ideas and concepts are strong enough that despite me staying in the CEO role, we still were able to do that. I mean, I think any visionary with half a clue realizes that like making up the ideas is the easy part. Like, I mean, let's get real. Like, it's just not, you know, I mean, without that, it's just entertainment, you know I mean? It's just ideas. So I don't think much about being five foot seven and bald. And I don't think much about just how I guess my brain works, but it's not, um, they're all more useful when paired together or put in the proper sequence. Right. I mean, without the same work spouse for the last 18 years, there's no way none of this stuff happens. Or, I mean, if it does, it's a fraction of what it is. And there's a lot more broken glass and a lot more blood in the street. I mean, like that's just beyond obvious, like it's beyond obvious. So it's more like, Hey, you're not even half as cool as you think you are. You're actually, you're incredibly useful for like a split second. Let's just get that second. Right. And then as it comes to a company, get out of the way. Cause you're just not very helpful. So I think you're downplaying a little bit, 
but there you go. So that's the next question I want to ask you is who do you need supporting you? So in the spirit of who, not how, and putting, you know, unique ability teamwork, who are the people who help take those split seconds of genius and turn it into something that, you know, X time down the road is incredibly mm. ridiculously profitable. So, because yeah. you've had some stellar results, you know, despite running full time, <laughs> breaking lots of glass, yeah. you know, breaking things at full speed, you've had some of those really, really big impacts. So what's the team around you? What have you noticed in terms of who's a right fit, who's not for working with you? Yeah. So they, <laughs> the language that we use is they have to speak Dan which is an illness. It's, it's, you're on some spectrum that we haven't identified yet. That's Dan R. That's not Dan Sullivan. Like, uh, that's regular language. So they have to be able to talk Dan. And part of what that is that it's not so much keep up because I'm so fast. I jump magnitudes of scale and I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm frequently talking on multiple levels of scale without thinking about it. And I've tried to become more aware of it, but when I'm really flowing, I'm not thinking about it because that's I'm thinking about what we're thinking about, not thinking about how I'm thinking. And so that's probably the biggest part is they have to be able to handle that insanity of what it is. I don't think they're the traditional make it real, but they can help crystallize the artifact that we're trying to create. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ultimate one is the work spouse of the last 18 years. She actually started a business in 2021. Like that's a pretty make it real thing. She's been unbelievably helpful that she can sort of weather the storm and do all that and then keep us on point and like, hey, that's the third new concept. Do we want a third concept in this? Are we going to, you know, you know, sort of help trim it down? So having somebody that can take whatever is almost ready for prime time and prime time would be just like maybe the first 4%, right? Not even the first 20%. So having somebody help create that. So historically, that was a woman named Christine and she was the typical sort of number two and absolutely fantastic. I made the messes. She cleaned them up. She's still very helpful. Recently, sort of through trying to get sales sidekick off the ground, there's a woman named Alon, and it's terrifying how fast she is. Like I say something and she can produce some sort of workable framework out of it, right? And figures a bunch of stuff out for herself. So she speaks enough of the language and then she can send something back that's just another great reference to go, oh gosh, we got it right. Or this is what needs to get fixed. But we think Sidekick is pointed in the right direction, headed in the right direction, has enough that I really do want to sort of let John, the CEO, figure that out. Like, I mean, I want to sort of coach him through that, but mm-hmm. I'm not worried that they're going to go wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, make it yours, right? Yeah. So That's awesome. Well, it sounds like what you have are creative collaborators, right? Yeah. It makes me think of how I work with Dan. So... Mm-hmm. We're both initiating on Quick Start and the Colby profile. We're both short follow throughs, yeah. so it does not need to clean up. I do not need all the I's dotted yeah. and T's crossed. And yeah, yes, yeah I yes. can go from one to five to a million pretty quickly, mm-hmm. hopefully as quickly as Dan. So it doesn't feel, you know, discontinuous. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. To me, it's just like, oh, that's the next natural leap. And I'm grateful when people can get how I got there, <laughs> if they, mm-hmm. or at least keep pace and not get dissuaded. Yeah. So having those people that can think out loud with you or can reflect ideas back or say, hey, you know, you might have one too many concepts here, yeah. or yeah. even can say, okay, you've just come up with three big ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably don't need that many. Like mm-hmm. even just that framework mm-hmm. is incredibly helpful. So it's very cool that you've got some good minds and people who are willing to speak up and work with you, not for you, but with you to mm-hmm. really make those ideas real. One of the things that is 
super visual that'll translate well. But I mean, Christine did this in a thousand subtle ways and a whole bunch of ways that I completely missed. But when Alana and I first started working together, we were looking at some stuff and I'll just say, so she put this, the image was of a dog, right? And for the record, like I own dogs in my past. We might own them in the future. I I like animals. I'm not opposed to them, but like there was no way in hell that we're going to use a dog. Like we just weren't, like it wasn't going to happen. And so I told her, I said, hey, I love that. Yeah. And I asked you to add your own two cents and this is great. And it's put together well, but just for your own input, like this is not, it will not happen, but I'm glad you did and keep bringing it, you know? So she brought it back two more times just to like show me. And so it's now an Easter egg and some of the stuff that we do. And Alana is so great. She named the dog Danielle, right? So I mean, it's, that's what I need. That's what I need yeah. is I need somebody who has enough confidence yeah. that it's like, hey, man, you're just a knucklehead. <laughs> and I try desperately not to take myself seriously, but when I'm going, I'm a pretty intense dude. And so the people around me have to, you know, we respect each other, but we don't take each other seriously. And we have our own opinions. Like, I mean, I want people to have their opinions. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to arrive at some point of being an intentional sidekick where people I can just help people make intentional decisions. I mean, I don't care if they agree with me or not. I just want to be strong reference. And so mm-hmm. these people provide strong reference for me. And that's... I was going to say, they sound like strong references. They're phenomenal. And they do it way more gracefully than I do, right? Like, I mean, they're just, there's not a lot of broken glass and yeah. So that's in my mind. So I think that type of teamwork to me is super critical. And it's something I'm actually always, well... Dan gave me a great distinction. He said, it's always more powerful to present a compelling offer than, than a convincing argument. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like I've been trying to argue this point for a long time. It's <laughs> not getting me anywhere. Yeah. But there's such a convincing argument, which you basically just reiterated, of being a partner. Mm-hmm. And being a partner is really interesting. So if we just play with this idea for a moment. So partner, when you think of partner, there's a level of equal mm-hmm. there, right? And it's not necessarily equal in terms of ideas, or, but it's equal in terms of strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, being a strong reference. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I know myself well enough. I don't want people to do just what I say. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I could be flipping wrong, yeah. right? Now, I might be pretty passionate about what I'm saying. Yeah, or I might yeah. have a lot of history behind it. Yeah. And I don't want someone to actually just like clash with me. <laughs> someone could say, hey, Shannon, you sound like you're really passionate about that. You know, I, I have a different perspective. I'm like, oh, Mm-hmm. Okay, what's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I want someone who's willing to be a partner with me. So I look for people. So if I look at my brilliant support partners that I've had, mm-hmm. so first Nicole and now Katrina, it's like they have skills and talents and perspectives that they bring that I am completely oblivious to. Mm-hmm. The only thing I contribute to this is I know I'm oblivious, mm-hmm. right? And so I bring that openness to like, but I'm counting on them to speak up because mm-hmm. they can do things and they will do things that I can and won't do, mm-hmm. which I'm incredibly grateful for. So even though it might look like this person is quote unquote, my assistant, mm-hmm. like I renamed that one like instantly, yeah. you're my support partner, right? It's like, it's so critical. So that partner mindset to my way of thinking is so critical for effective teamwork. So that's sort of my take on it. And I think the results we get from a compelling offer standpoint Mm -hmm. are so much better. Does that resonate with how you think about it? So I'm big on sidekick. Like I didn't want to be, like I desperately didn't want to, but unfortunately it's been around. (laughs) Like the boss put it there and said, guess what? You're going to get a word you don't like. And that's how it is. So if somebody else decides that if I show up, 
as a sidekick that I'm a superhero. That's on them. I'm not going to argue with them how they see me. I am substantially better when I show up from a sidekick perspective. And that's like, what is this person trying to do? Right. And how, like, based on the resources I have, how can I support that? We're sidekicking each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. And that's what I was saying before. It's not this false humility, but like you're sort of worthless if you're just a superhero. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I guess, you know, when there's time to catch the bank robbers or whatever, go get them. But from the sidekick thing, like you can be helpful all the time. When it started, I was looking for a vision of where I could just try to perfect the person that the boss wanted me to be in all walks of my life. I didn't want to have to be like, well, this I have to be at work and this I have to be at home and all that. Like I said, I was sort of rooting for a different word (laughs) than sidekick and all this, but like, that's just the one that stuck, but it seems to fit. And the other thing I would throw out there is this is what I mean. Like, there's no question in my mind that point to point would have had a totally different trajectory if I had gotten out of the way and gotten a guy like John involved sooner. John is a a dear friend. We were accountability partners Mm -hmm. for a while, vanity partners. Like, so we know each other very well. But he can crystallize and present a much more cohesive, digestible message than I can. And I mean, I have to desperately try. And then even if you mm-hmm. teach me the script, God help me if I stay on script. And so, so I think that's another example of it's like, look, you're there to more like clear the forest, but somebody else is really going to turn this into something else. And that's another sort of sidekick thing where... Mm-hmm. You know, at one point he's sidekicking me on the message and another way I'll start sidekicking him on the message and or the messaging or whatever. And I see it much like, you know, you said partner. Partner, mm-hmm. I think has been sort of overused or misused, but in the spirit that you're using it, there's no question. Like, that's what it is. It's yeah. no one cares if you're equal because it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> like we're just making shit. We don't care who's in charge. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody has to make the call. It's your job to make the final call or it's my job to make it look pretty or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, you're totally right. Partner gets used like there's a financial, there's ownership, there's all the things. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. often think about it as emotional partnership. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like we both have something incredibly important to contribute. And frankly, neither one of us is all that great. <laughs> We're much better together. Yeah. But I like the sidekick part of it. I think it's funny that you mm-hmm. don't like the name, but we're giving it anyway. Yeah. But there's a humility that goes along with that. It's not just all about... That's the part I probably don't like so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, if you ever needed a more obvious thing, we're going to give you a word that you don't like because this is how you best show up is when you're not you know yeah. what? Yeah. I love yeah. it. So, yeah. Good, t- good, good times. times. And, good and times. it's interesting. The other thing, and again, I don't want you to diminish your amazing capability, but there is something about creating something. It's not exactly out of nothing, but that capability of going from zero to one, as Peter Thiel's mm-hmm. book talks about, which I find completely inspiring. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that creates a spark. It's often could be 1%, could be mm-hmm. 4%, as you talked about. And then once yeah. there's, it's yeah. like, <laughs> Then there's a little spark and then it gets blown on, got some oxygen, becomes a flame, becomes, Mm -hmm. but then the initial spark isn't needed anymore. It's actually needed elsewhere. So that to me seems Mm -hmm. to be a little bit of your like visionary into next month perspective Mm -hmm. is that's what you help do. And Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you help do that with your sidekick clients Mm -hmm. is help kind of spark them into a new way of being that they perhaps hadn't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think ultimately you know, where I can be most useful is definitely that spark. And I hadn't thought of that. I'll definitely borrow that from you for sure. Like that's what it is. And there's not anything to it. If somebody doesn't follow up on it, really see what's there. And frequently there's just a spark and it's nothing, but 
So when we first started Sidekick, the first client will be eternally grateful. They were had a high of 8 million in annual revenue. And we thought that was about the right size, sort of that range. And I've been successful leading companies larger than that. So I thought, hey, we can be helpful a lot of different ways. And then after working with people and talking to people, we really found that it's probably a million or even smaller. And a huge part of it is, and I say this with profound respect to the entire universe, but we're trying to catch them before they made a bunch of mistakes. And I think they're organizing business wrong. I'll just say it. Like, I just think it's organized wrong. And I have some firm beliefs five years from now, I'll either be semi right or we'll be really, really wrong, but we'll have plenty of data to support it one way or another. But I know just from my own experience that it's not that the traditional way won't work because it clearly it does, but Mm -hmm. because I'm a systems guy, it's just unacceptable. I can't literally get my head around the math around it. And so we're really trying to help them sort of organize differently. And that sparks them into something different. Yeah. And that's really cool. And one other thing to riff on is you've been doing the same thing, that systems mm-hmm. capability, mm-hmm. just apply to different and bigger audiences, mm-hmm. which is actually how I think of unique ability. You know, certainly as people get more experience with what they love to do, what they're best at, how they make their biggest contribution when they're a hero mm-hmm. is it's that spark is the same. It's your audience that changes, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've really, you know, what you're talking about right now is that audience. And I love that you're getting at them before there's too much to unlearn Mm -hmm. (laughs) is probably what the deal is. It's hard when you have to take apart things, right? It's disruptive. It's challenging. And you've got people married to the old ways. If you can get them sooner, that's super cool. Yeah. Just as we wrap up, Dan, I would love to know your advice for entrepreneurs. I know, right? Terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying. Entrepreneurs who also are visionaries Mm -hmm. may or may not be similar to how you're a visionary and the people supporting them. Like, what are some things that you're like, oh, wow, I wish I'd known this before. Mm -hmm. You've said a little bit, wish you've gotten Uh out of that Uh or yourself off the org chart sooner. But what are just a couple pieces of advice that come to mind for people who are like, oh my gosh, Dan's experience speaks to me. What are some lessons I can derive from that? So what would you say? Yeah, so this one, I think you've heard this one before, but that very first coach we hired actually gave this one to us. She encouraged us when Christine and I were working together. She's like, hey, it'd be very helpful, you know, if you're going to start something, if you sort of use the dial. And so you can say, hey, I need to discuss something with you. I need your input. I need an answer. or I need you to listen. And then what happened is Christine used it flawlessly and very elegantly. And I used it twice in, in 16 years or 18 years or whatever. But I just got to put this plug in for myself. When she asked me to listen, if we're not together, like if we're on the phone, she's like, are you still there? And I'm like, I can listen. It just doesn't happen. If you tell me to listen, I'll listen. Otherwise, I'll just give you input. But so I think what is incredibly helpful there is it asks the sender to figure out what it is they want first. Yeah. And so having a purpose as a visionary is probably not a bad idea. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if you just want to, hey, I want to think out loud and I'll do better sort of interacting with you. Then they're like, oh, we're just going to go in and put on his rodeo clown things. And we're just going to go around and try not to get run over by a bull. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, it's not anything for real. I don't have to worry about like doing anything after this. Yeah. I so. love that. Because the whole thing, brainstorming or do this, I had those distinctions, but mm-hmm. I love that dial input, answer or listen. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. And I would actually say they're more valuable going the other way. I mean, for the support team mm-hmm. up to the visionary. So if you're like me and you're 
grateful, but also slightly embarrassed of your support, you know, the people around you, you're grateful because you know, but you're a little embarrassed because you're not always the best coworker. That could be a really valuable tool for them to be able to get your attention to say, Hey man, I just need you to listen. What's awesome is when it doesn't happen very often because she figures stuff out, but every once in a blue moon, she'll say, I need an answer. I was like, perk up. Like, oh God, we get to do, we get to do an answer today. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Most of the time it's listen, you know, but that's, you know, it's great that she knows what she wants. So. That's very cool. You've actually sparked another idea for a podcast for me, which is I think a lot of times entrepreneurs like you, like mm-hmm. many, don't actually, you know, you, you said you feel embarrassed because they're better team members than you are. But Oh, for sure. Yeah. To actually hear from team members what they appreciate about you and why they choose to, mm. you know, link their chariot to you yeah. or madly around yeah. the arena because they're getting something out of it and there's something that you provide that they can't. You know, what are they getting out of it? Because I think actually a lot of entrepreneurs don't know. And it isn't until they hear it directly from their team because mm-hmm. I have exactly the same feelings that you do. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you put up with me sometimes? Oh, without question, yeah. Right? And I think instead of just having that be a rhetorical question, should be a genuine question. <laughs> Can I throw out two shameless plugs for coach tools? Absolutely. Yeah. So the first one is, look, I know a couple of them. Actually, the guy that got me into strategic coach like does impact filters and like, he's just a better person than I am, period. But if you do impact filters, God bless you. If you have a hard time, which I do, what I have found is I just start it and then send it to the person and then collaborate. That changed my life. So yeah, and it hopefully it changed theirs. And then the second one is the four by four. Yes. Because I actually gave it to the other people and said, if you can do a four on four on me. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. It was also really humbling because they were nice about it too. But like I just said, look, you've got plenty of input from me. I'm now ready. <laughs> Tell me how I can be a better, do better job. No, it was really, really cool. And it was also good to find out precisely sort of what moved the needle too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the impact filter, I'll just, for anyone who's not familiar, for the impact filter, there's a fast filter, mini version and a full version, but it's really the purpose, importance, and ideal outcome of a project or a role or a delegation. It's multi-purpose tool. And then the best result, if you do take action, the worst result, if you don't, or if it goes poorly, and then the success criteria to ensure the best and to prevent the worst. And I love it. And I actually, I am completely on the same page as you are. I can do a fast filter by myself kind of about it. The full one, I much rather do, actually most coach tools, mm-hmm. strategy circle included, and experience transformers collaboratively. First of all, much better input because my perspective is only one. Babs talks a lot about the collective intelligence. So true. So I love that. And then the four by four measures, I love it. 12 ways people can be successful and four ways they can fail <laughs> in mm-hmm. a role. So it's performance, alert, curious, responsive, resourceful. So hopefully they told you what they want you to be alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful about. The results, faster, easier, cheaper, and bigger, slash better. How you can be a hero. And the four things, the way that you had them fill it out, four things that you do that drives them crazy. Yes, yeah. I did give them, I was like, look, it's a small box, but you could add a second tab if you need to. No. Well, Dan will tell you there's real power in boiling it down to four. Mm. And frankly, a lot of other things are kind of like subsets of those four. And if you can really identify that, the truth is you've eliminated 80% of the things Mm -hmm. that if you're doing it on someone else, what they would have them drive you crazy or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it actually handles most of the issue. And I know for our team members who've got it from Dan, because this drives me crazy box is the same, Mm -hmm. you know, black holes. You know, mm-hmm. not things mm-hmm. going into the abyss and not coming out, not knowing the status of projects mm-hmm. when people are overwhelmed and not speaking mm-hmm. up. All of those things drive them crazy. But those are consistent amongst 
all the different roles, same four things. So it's really easy to learn not how to tick them off. Yep. And the rest of the ways are just ways to be successful. So it gives enormous direction. So I love those two tools that you have chosen to share. I think yep. that's fabulous. Dan, this has been awesome, far reaching. I'm walking away with some brilliant points. So align up <laughs> as opposed to having people line up behind you. I love that. Redeeming work as your mission. You and I are aligned on that, which I also love. Yeah. I literally <laughs> I literally laughed out loud when you said made a bunch of mistakes at full speed. I have eight restraints and restraint number nine is mistakes at full speed. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Now I want yeah, to hear the other yeah. eight, by the way. That might be for another podcast. Sure. And then I think the whole concept of sidekick, you know, being that, you know, emotional partner, someone being willing to stand up and be a strong reference point to one another, that ultimately I think is a brilliant characteristic of unique ability teamwork. So I love hearing your perspective on that and your dials and the tools. So thank you as always a rich and interesting and unpredictable conversation. I really appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I told you before we got started that I knew we were going to win. It was just, if I hope some other people got some value because I feel better and smarter after our conversation. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.